is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back to FUVFC. We are still in studio. We are still rocking it. We are still rolling on this football we call Planet Earth. I'm James Burley. I'm joined by Nick Palmer. And Andy Rodriguez, it's a star-studded cast here for one of my favorite shows of all time. Two of my greatest friends here at the station joining me today. We're going to talk about Europa League briefly, Champions League, some Premier League, and then we're going to end it with, oh God, it usually is my favorite part of the show, but lately I've been dreading some of the Major League Soccer talk because of the way this season has gone for the team that plays out of New Jersey, my beloved New York Red Bulls, but I digress. Let's get into some introductions. Nick. Glad to have you back on the soccer show. How are you doing, buddy? Oy, oy, I'm doing good. Um, nice to see you guys. Um, just recently went to a baseball game with Andy. We had a good time. Uh, At got, a soccer stadium? Got, or? Um, all right. Um, <laughs> well, no, but it's the home of an actual New York team, so that's crazy. There you go. Um, yeah, but other than that, I'm doing good. A um, little bit of a uh, little bit of interesting news today uh in terms of what's going on with liverpool right yes, now and we'll yes. get into that but uh i don't know how, how you doing andy i'm doing great i'm excited because um well i'm first of all i'm happy you brought up the the game last night mm. i was like my second ever yankee game to go to so i really need to go to more of those mm. while i'm still here in new york but um yeah now i'm excited to talk the actual best sport in the world the sport i love soccer here with my two good friends and, yeah, you did mention that Liverpool news, but I think I'll let James take the lead on that. Yeah, you know, that's the beautiful game for a reason, and it's especially beautiful when you're recording a podcast at 1 p.m. on a Thursday and you weren't even planning on talking about the Europa League and you just say, all right, let's pull up the scores and see what's going on with the matches that are live right now. And Lask Linz of the Austrian Bundesliga is 1-0 up over Liverpool 14 minutes in. Uh, and I think that we could leave it at that for the Europa League. Let's hope that that result holds for uh, Agreed. some of my other Manchester United fans out there. I know we've got some in studio today. My man Griffin giving me a fist pump through the glass. Love to have you back there. Shout out to Chris and Will behind the boards. We love the work you guys are doing. Appreciate having you guys here in studio for the soccer show today. You know, we don't usually have a packed audience talking soccer here at mm -mm. WFUV Sports. So we're very, very privileged to be having that today. And we're also incredibly privileged because we welcome back Champions League football this week. And that is where the crux of the discussion will start today. Uh, Tuesday's matches were headlined, I would think, by uh, PSG Dortmund, Milan-Newcastle, Lazio-Atletico Madrid, and Barca being back in action. That Milan-Newcastle game kind of uh, didn't really live up to the billing, nil-nil, but you expected it to be a dogfight, be two really tight uh, teams in quality, and that's exactly what we got. PSG Dortmund, I think we saw just the attacking power of PSG really uh, culminated on that Dortmund back line. There could have been a penalty here or there that were given that shouldn't have been given. The whole Niklas Schula thing is up in the air, but PSG deservedly come away with the win there. Man City uh, going down early, 
uh, and then coming back winning 3-1. But I think Easy. the highlight, that, and we'll start here, is Lazio Atletico because we're going to talk about Barca ad nauseum, I think, this entire Champions League. So let's start with two teams that maybe won't make as deep of a run, but still caught all the headlines as an Italian goalkeeper, Ivan Provedel, who I don't even think has ever been called up to the Italian national team. The goalkeeper for Lazio rescues it at the death, 94th minute, with a glancing header that completely fooled Jan Oblak, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I've never seen a match rescued like that in the Champions League, and for it to come off the head of a goalkeeper, wow, Like what a story to start this whole European week off. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and you know you know what people will bag on them as much as you like, but honestly, look in their last three results, um, Lazio, uh, it was a win, a draw, and a defeat against Napoli, Juventus, and Atletico. It's a pretty tough Dude, schedule. That's that's going up against some of the best teams in Europe, and you're competing. So honestly, you know, big ups Lazio. They're uh, they're playing higher than I think their skill level is. No, yeah, they have some a very tough schedule. You said playing Napoli, Juventus in the league, and then yeah. going to have to face a team like Atletico Madrid, which is always so tough to beat down. Their defense is absolutely crazy. And as you said, it makes it even more shocking when you hear that not only did you beat Jan Oblak, but you did it at the end of the game with your keeper. <laughs> like, when does that ever happen? The scenes were crazy, and especially it was a home match. But I'll give Atletico a lot of credit. It was a classic UEFA Champions League Atletico Madrid performance. They closed everything down. They they tried to eliminate anything on the counter. They made the game look as slow and sloppy and disjointed as possible. That's just the way Diego Simeone likes to play. Yeah. And they had an early goal to cushion them, and you think that maybe that they were going to come away with the victory, but no, Providel steals it. Absolutely spectacular. And I'll say this for Atletico Madrid. It's been a tough week. They went down... 3-0 on the weekend to Valencia, the absolute drubbing, and now they've got to host Real this Sunday. So yeah. it's going to be a tough week for, for Atleti, but I, I, I think they'll be okay in terms of the Champions League. Lazio had to get a point at least at home to, to stay in the competition because that group, it, it, I mean, it's that's about as difficult as it gets for Lazio. You don't expect them to get out of a Champions League group, but no. I think with that sort of performance, it could be a, a little bit of a motivational cushion. You never know. Uh, with that said, I do think Feyenoord impressed against Celtic. I think Feyenoord are a dark horse to get out of that group. Um, but we have to move over to some bigger and better things as Barcelona run rampant with Royal Antwerp of the Belgian League 5-0. And this is kind of a return to grace from Barca. We've been, since I've been on this podcast, since my freshman year now, we have been pretty negative about Barca just in general because we all grew up watching this team that was a Goliath that oh, yeah. not only won every title that imaginable but had every player and was the standard for for football around the world they were the standard if every youth coach you ever if you ever played soccer every youth coach uh, you want to do this drill to look like Barca you want to play like Barca you have to look like this to play like Barca that they just it's just in our DNA as soccer lovers is that Barca has to be good and I think Yes, it's Royal Antwerp. It's not. It's not Real Madrid. They haven't won El Clasico here, but five 0 win to open up the Champions League. They're one of the favorites at this point of the competition. Yeah, I just want to give a little shout out to my boy Robert Lewandowski. Been go. one of my favorite players of all time. It's now a hundred goals in UEFA competition. So just a quick little good man. I'm holding a water bottle. Big fan of him. But yeah, I mean Joao Felix. What a mm. what a performance from him. You know he's getting back to where he needs to be. Man, I mean, th this this looked like the Barca of old, and um, you know, I I grew up uh, not not a fan of Barcelona. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan. Man, I was uh, I it was getting bordering hatred. Um, but now that they've sort of regressed, I that hatred has sort of subsided, and now I'm just happy to see them playing well because they don't have 
you know, the big names that they once did, but they're uh, they're playing a different brand of football, and I'm a fan of it. I'm not a fan just because I'm a Madrid <laughs> fan. I have to I have okay. to be against it. I have to like settle down and be like, let's not freak out. You know, they do have another big win right before that five nil was another five nil against Betis. So as a Madrid fan, I'm like, okay, maybe Barca is back, and that's pretty scary. But um, is they still haven't had a real test. I do think they're kind of back, though, which is very, very scary to say. And it's scary for all of Europe, not just for Madrid. And it's such a young group now, too. Uh, even younger than than it has been in the past five years. Guys like Lamal coming in with a yeah. billion-dollar release clause. Are you serious? Who's going to pay for that? I mean, I know who would pay for that, but I'm not going to say who they are. Um, they're currently employing Ronaldo, Mane, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The point is... Barcelona could be back, and that could be uh, a message sent to just about every team in Europe and in this competition. That these, I would put them right at the top now with some of the other favorites who we're going to talk about a bit more uh, right now. Why not? Okay, uh, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Real Madrid. I would put them in the favorites category, even though I didn't, uh, wouldn't say I was super impressed from their performance but yesterday. When are they impressive in group stage? <laughs> Never. Like, as a Madrid Never. fan, I, it's pain because you watch yeah. the group stage. Like, wow, we barely won, or we lost against this small team. And here's and here's what I'll say. They, and we talked about this. This was in our group chat. And I'll say it on the air. They are a striker away from, I think, establishing themselves mm. as just Real Madrid and just Man City as the favorites. And that should be the Champions League final should they get a goal scorer up front that they can rely on. But who needs it when you've got Jude Bellingham, Going who's crazy. playing right now, I think, as the best midfielder in the world currently. Correct. Yeah. No, he's uh man from England. Dude, like some serious talent coming out of there. Uh, big fan of him. I mean, that game was not looking good for Madrid for the entire game mm-hmm. but you know they they come through in uh in extra time and uh you know you're right it's not madrid in group stages has never looked good when they come to elimination though madrid is a team you do not want to face especially yeah. especially when the leads start to change and they get oh, yeah. open space on the counter attack like just i think about the chelsea game especially mm. like that 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 was peak real madrid champions league elimination style football wouldn't yeah. you agree I don't know. I have to go with uh, the comeback versus Man City. Okay, though. there you go. That, there like you go. that's oh peak mentality. Either, either way, I feel like it's the same. It's the same it's sort same. of thing happened, right? Like, yeah, it, that one was just crazy though because they score the first goal with Rodrigo. They still need one more, and the crowd's already singing as if they won. And like that's wild. Where like the crowd already knows like what's gonna happen. Andy. And I know, I know, Nick, you're a City fan. But no, I was just gonna ask you a question. Do you think Mbappe is going to Madrid? Maybe in like seven I was years. Gonna say, I was gonna say, <laughs> when is the the only answer to that question is when? You know. Do you you think he's never gonna play for Real Madrid? I think he will. I just no, don't. I think he will. Just like twenty twenty five. Where where is PSG going? Like I I, I think man. I, I think PSG is going to try to hold on to him as long as possible. Probably to, to milk every bit of profit they can out of his shirt sales, out of just having, because now they don't have Neymar or Messi. The the, the easiest player name recognition wise that PSG has and has had for a while is Kylian Mbappe, and yeah. they're gonna try to maintain that for a while because. Since since they That's had true. the influx of of the oil money coming in in the late two thousands, it was Ronaldinho, it was Beckham, Beckham, mm-hmm. it was Laton, mm-hmm. then it was Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Now it's just Mbappe, and he's carrying the torch. So PSG, they're not the best treaters of their players. They Messi has made that very clear lately. Oh my gosh, which is yeah. which is so which is so terrible. How could you that Messi? How could you? How could you not treat that guy? Give him everything he wants. Didn't he say? Times, didn't he Where say was he that like behavior regretted? for Ronaldo against United, though? Hmm? Well, I'm just kidding. Does Ronaldo <laughs> have the have have an ego like uh m- way more inflated than Messi? Yeah, 
obviously. I don't know him personally. I don't know. Him, I don't know him personally, but I I know him well enough to uh, to make that assertion. I think. Didn't he say he regretted going to PSG? I think he. I think he said he never planned on it. I don't know if he said he regretted it. That okay. He said like it was never planned. I never wanted to leave Barca. They just yeah. couldn't pay me because they ran the club into the ground. Yeah. And but look at them now. Look at them now. That was the kind of the point. Look at them now. That was yeah. kind of the point. That was where we started this whole talk. Uh, that look at them now. Real Madrid. They sorted it out against Union Berlin, who have a magnificent story of their own. Uh, promoted to the first division of the Bundesliga in 2019, mm. and already in the Champions League. Awesome. They, and you know what? They brought Brendan Aronson off the bench, so that was really fun too. That was a lot of fun. He's got to play way better, though, if he wants to stay in the Bundesliga. That's a dis- different discussion for a different day. I will, real quick, have to mention something, just because it's on my mind, and I'm looking at the the results right now. Red Bull Salzburg on the road to Benfica, getting a 2-0 win against a 10-men Benfica is still a big result, and it was Gerhard Struber is the manager. And I don't, if you guys remember that name, uh, I don't know if you do. He was fired in uh, March of this year as manager of the new or maybe april of this year as manager of the new york red bulls oh my gosh because he was such a terrible manager here tactically he's been in a part of the red bull system forever so he knows the whole gagan press the whole high energy energy drink soccer type of game it never worked in new york he was i think probably struggled with the man management aspect of it but he goes back to austria and he's speaking in his native tongue and they looked so good they Mm. played a pure red bull game i mean it helps when the other team only has 10 guys for 75 minutes but yeah they still got a 2-0 win on the road against a team that's probably better than them on paper so i have to give credit where credit's due to gerhard struber even if it hurts to say it out loud i digress we move on to let's talk arsenal first before we end with uh byron united let's talk about i would say the second biggest matchup of this uh day of the champions league because arsenal psv I really like PSV because of not only the American influx of players that they have now with Ricardo Pepe, Malik Tillman, and Sergio Dest, but I've really liked the way that they've impressed in the Dutch league, especially with Feyenoord on the rise and Ajax going through a bit of a limbo. I thought PSV were primed to maybe make it something happen in this Champions League. Maybe you get crash out in the group stage, you go on a Europa League run. They looked so, so flat against Arsenal, and Arsenal exploited Everything they gave them. Literally every time Arsenal had the chance to go and start an attack, they did. And Bukayo Saka was terrific in this one. He scored early. Trossard could have had two or three. Uh, And then Gabriel Jesus after the match. Also could have had two or three. Yeah, and after the match said this was a training session, which is brutal. (laughs) Absolutely brutal. brutal. Oh, my gosh. Um, So I will say, first of all, congrats to Malik Tillman, Serginho Dest, and Ricardo Pepe for being the first U.S. men's national team trio to ever feature on the field at the same time during a Champions League match, even though Pepe got subbed on in the 90th minute and it was already 4-0. I guess that's good for them. Uh, But Arsenal, I I would uh, say, with the likes of Real, Barca, and Man City, Mm -hmm. are a favorite in this competition. And I can't believe that those words are coming out of my mouth because I grew up watching Arsenal and it was right after their glory days, and they weren't that good. No, yeah. But now, it's different been story. A while. I'll, I'll be the last person to hype up Arsenal. But I mean, <laughs> the, the depth of their talent is crazy. I mean, e- even like Martin Odegaard was fantastic. He's so in that in that four. He is I mean, so underrated. Still. So underrated. Even still, even so still, underrated. Hey, well, look, that says something about him. Like he's a Madrid-born player who was never given the time of day at Madrid, and he should have been. Yeah, I, I was sad to see him go, maybe. but I'm glad to see him do so well in Arsenal and become one of the the key players. Not just a player, he's important there. He plays a huge role in the team. He's one of and, the best midfielders in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah and as you said, just 
like this Arsenal squad is pretty scary. Stacked. They've they've come back Dude, a long Rice, way. Rice, Averts, oh my gosh! And they have a problem of riches now in in the goalkeeper position where they they sent away one of the best backups the Premier League had to offer in Matt Turner, and now they brought in David Raya, who could very well take the starting job from Aaron Ramsdale. They have two so. two top ten goalkeepers, I would say, in, in terms of the Premier League, and in Europe, that is a luxury to have. Four nil over PSV. And they, they didn't miss a beat. They never looked like they were out of that m- match for even a second. So I have to give credit to Arsenal there. We have to move on to the heavyweight matchup of the day. It was Bayern United. The scoreline is, I think, a bit flattering for the match itself because while United weren't down and out, 4-3, for it to finish 4-3, it just felt, I don't know, kind of didn't feel right. It felt closer than th- it should have been. Yeah, th- oh, nah, nah. Three goals in like the last six minutes. Oh, we don't, Andre or not. Like, oh, that's another discussion. Nick, if you want Buddy. to talk about Onana, just jump oh in. Oh my gosh. What a that's that that's that's up there with some of the worst goals I've ever seen Lennon. That was bad. That, was, that bad. was absolutely atrocious. That was De Gea versus Portugal bad. Oh my god. And Ericsson too. I mean this Christian team Ericsson's been an issue for this, a bit. This team was just not coherent in on defense. On paper was, they're so good. Like every player is a great player. But they just don't mix well for some reason, mm-hmm. and it's so confusing it's to see United struggle that much. I, 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 I don't know. I don't think. I'll, I'll give credit uh, to some players who I thought were were really good. I thought uh, Reguilon was was the best player on the field for the for both teams. Arguably, I I, I was very impressed. Low key Spurs sent us their best player, not not Bayern. Um, Harry Kane scoring a goal was 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 hurtful. Um, yeah. But uh, this speaks to a bigger issue. Well, that was United. a pen, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. This speaks to a bigger issue at Manchester United, and it was it was brought up by our lovely shadows in the group chat that, you know, the players itself on paper they're good players, but the mentality and the attitude around this team is suspect, and it goes back to what we were talking about last week and the week before. The Glazers are terrible, and they don't support their players, and they they don't support their team or their fans. They're bad people. Yeah. Uh, we don't like them. And they also employ some bad people on this team. There have been players on Manchester United who have kind of sullied the uh, perception and the reputation of the team, not just on the pitch. Uh, they've been doing that on the pitch for 10 years now. They, yeah. They've earned that. Yeah. But with the whole Mason Greenwood saga and the whole Anthony saga, it is a tough time to be Manchester United right now. It's a tough time to like Manchester United. And for them to have to go onto the field away from home against Bayern – that it's it's a it's an extra layer of expectations it's an extra layer of pressure that they have to deal with and they're bringing in new guys to shoulder that responsibility Rasmus Hoyland is is a good player who scored a goal and was kind of screwed out of a goal against Brighton I thought over the weekend that ball did well it was out did go out of bounds but like he that's not his fault he did well to score that to score that goal I I've I've really liked him individually right but collectively Manchester United and I'm going to use the word again. I used it a lot last year and in many years past. A debacle. Not mm. because they played so poorly in this game, but because everything that's going on, I can't see this team finding success. Yeah, it's not just their performance. It's no. such a deeply rooted issue where like yeah. the whole club is kind of like, this might be too strong for a word, like rotten. Like everything is just falling apart, it feels like. I, you can say rotten, especially because ideally it's temporarily. You know, you don't. You don't look at so Manchester. Long. You don't look at Manchester United, and you don't think bad club. You think no. historic club in a bad period, and I, they've kind of been run out of their own city in the last ten, ten or so years. It's it's not even October, 
and I'm so worried about this team. I mean, it's it's hilarious, but I'm so you're, worried wait, about this you're team. You're not worried about it. No, you, no, no <laughs> I'm, if I was yeah, a United okay, fan, Lord yeah, you're, forbid. You're so happy right oh, now. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. You're loving I, this. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. It's called empathy, guys. Look wow, it up. I, I learned a new it. word today. Um, <laughs> they're going into Burnley on Saturday, and I don't Burnley. know if they're going to win. And that's a problem, because Burnley the Burn- has one point in the Premier League this season. You know who they got it against? Who did they get it against? You see who they played last weekend? I'll let you look it up instead of telling you. Drum roll. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, not- Nottingham's not very good. Nottingham Forest, didn't it? But... <laughs> That kind of proves my point. There's a ten men Burnley too, so I'll give credit 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 where it's yeah. Good. Come on, and look, I love Vincent Company, uh, and I, I legend, and I, I love him from the sense that I you re- I just respect his game so much, you know he yeah. and he was he was never he was never a guy that you could just say like hey, he's on the other team so I have to hate him like no he transcended transcended awesome that guy. he's so, one of those and I think he's a he's a brilliant manager especially for this. The Brexit style that Burnley like to play—it's—it's it's got Vincent Company's DNA all over it. Proper Brexit football. <laughs> Brexit football—that is. Wow. You never heard no, that's that before. Hilarious. That's, that's well, killing me right now. It's also perfect because like the city of Burnley voted overwhelmingly uh, to For leave Brexit. the EU, so <laughs> yes. it, it fits the identity of the of not only the club but also the community perfectly. Um, not, I'm not saying that Vincent Company voted for Brexit one way or the other. I'm just saying his style of football speaks to that with the strong challenges and the clearances and just being no nonsense in defense. Tell me it's not a match. Company is a proper Brexit geezer. Proper Brexit bro. geezer, yeah. Proper Brexit I did not expect to walk into this episode of Brexit. I didn't expect us to spend more than a minute on Burnley, to be <laughs> fair. But we have. And, you know, they have a big game this weekend with Manchester United. And that's at Turf Moor. That's a tough place to just go, especially when... You've not been controlling the ball like you've liked to when you're Manchester United. They got not bullied by Spurs. Spurs yeah. controlled the ball, passed circles around them. Spurs Bull- looks great, though. Yeah, absolutely. And bullied by Brighton, who arguably look even better. They're one of the best well-oiled machines in English football right now, and they've passed the balls in circles around them. Pascal Gross with had a gross goal. And he has. I think he has, of players not on Manchester United, I think he is third most goals at Old Trafford. Uh, not including. Really? I think. I think. I think he's no. He has four. I think Mo Salah has five, hmm. and another former Liverpool player who I won't name because I won't name him. Uh, Steven Gerrard has <laughs> also five or four, and Pascal Gross has four. So, I mean, he's a really good player, but that's just crazy how that that statistic exists. But only in this era of Manchester United. As for Bayern Munich, because this is still technically we're still technically talking about this match. I look at the squad and I see players that Manchester United were trying to buy years ago yeah. that they never could. Kim Min Jai is the big one in me for me in, se- in central defense because he burst onto the scene in just the last two three years, and United had identified him way before that when he was with Fenerbahce before that he, before he really uh, came out. But United kind of shoots themselves in the foot when they go out and buy players, and the managers have been saying this. We saw Van Gaal, we saw Solskjaer. All saying these sorts of things. Ten Hag made it clear who he was going to get and didn't get a lot of those guys. Um, I, I, that's that's where I draw the distinction between the top teams in Europe right now is that United can't do the things that they want to do, and the other teams, they just can. Uh, it's not, and it's not a factor of uh, they don't have the money to do it. They do. They just spend it poorly, and the Glazers don't back the right decisions. And I look at the squad that Bayern have. It was not a complete performance. It was not a solid no. performance. They needed help from Andre Onana to get on the score sheet early. 
but they never for one second look like the worst team. Did you um? Did you see what happened at the half? It's so not important with Anana. Dude, no. he's he's walking down the tunnel. Um, someone throws him a water bottle and he drops it. Oof! Right Ooh. at right after the right after the right mistake. After. Oh, that's brutal. Well, that's I will poetic. I will say that's this: funny. Andre Onana, he immediately took responsibility for the actions, and he understands what it's like to play at a big club. It's not the first big club he's played at before, and they, they had he actually wanted to go on American TV to explain his performance, and he said, "I've not been good enough in my first few matches with Manchester United." And I think yeah. everybody would agree with that. Um, United, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll move past it for now. We're gonna have to check back in week to week and see where they're going. I, I, you think Burnley are gonna beat them this on the weekend? I, I'm no, I'm, I'm not saying I think they are. I'm saying it could. There's, there's more than a chance. It's just gonna be more competitive than it should be. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the issue. I okay. think they're gonna draw. Honestly, I think if if United could get a, a goal in the first half, they'll win. If not, I think a draw could very well be in play. I'd agree with that. But uh, that 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 wraps things up for the Champions League. We're gonna stay with the Premier League just for a moment because we got a big match this weekend between. Spurs and Arsenal's the North London Derby, mm-hmm. and I, they've both been playing brilliant football to this point of the year. Uh, Liverpool West Ham is another big game I, I, I have circled, but we'll, we'll skip that talk for now. I want to talk Arsenal Spurs because not only are they both undefeated to this point, they're both on the same number of points. They've both scored roughly the same amount of goals, same goal difference, uh, or no, Tottenham's got them beat on goal difference for the moment. But I, I still think that this one. Could go either way. The the home support Arsenal's going to have probably could be the difference. But Tottenham have looked as fluid as I've ever seen them. And I thought that might have happened when they lost Harry Kane. That they might be a bit more free-flowing with their game. Mm. And that has been the case. I didn't think they'd be able to score goals the way that they have. And they've had a potent offense just about every match that they've played in so far. Yeah. Uh, it took them yeah. getting a red card against Sheffield. Or sorry, Sheffield getting a red card for them to go up to one a bit of a blip there, but they've been impressive for me, at least, the, throughout the entire season. 5-2 over Burnley, away yeah. from home the week prior uh, to the international break. So I, I, I have no nothing but good things to say about Spurs, uh, which, again, looking back at the past few years, uh, kind of contradicts what I used to be saying. Yeah, I, I think Spurs have looked fantastic. I think they've won, what, four of five so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and a draw. Se- second in the Prem, two points behind my city, so... I mean, dude, I, I think you're absolutely right because I think when you had Harry Kane, when you had Harry Kane on the squad, you have to play around him, mm-hmm. and that limits what you can do in some in some respects. So, yeah, so now like the players have more freedom. They to have more do, freedom. Like, play their own style. They they, yeah. they can play football. They don't have to play around Harry Kane. Um, I I I I just want to clear up some of the language. Playing playing around Harry Kane is not exactly. It's it's through Harry Kane. Okay. Because true, very true. the way he plays striker, and it's he's one of the best in the world at this, is coming, collecting the ball, and spraying it out to your wingers. Yes. And it's usually Sun. Harry Kane is one of the best passers of the ball in the entire world. True. And that not I'm not saying he's one of the best passing strikers, one of the best passing forwards, one of the best passers in the world. He is so good at getting the ball and finding his teammates, and that is why Spurs scored so many goals in transition on the counterattack because they had Harry Kane who was so good at holding it up and finding players, not only beh- not only checking in and finding players behind him, but also in behind the defense. Mm-hmm. And that's such a hard thing to do at the striker position, and he's so good at it, but he's also a terrific finisher. It's why he plays up there. I thought that they were going to immediately try to find a new player to fit that bill because it's such an effective way of playing when you have a good player there. But no, they've completely 
completely, I don't want to say abandoned it, but they've restructured how they go about the attack. And I have to give the credit to Anja Postacoglu, who has been probably the best manager in the Premier League so far this season, uh, with the except if you make a case for Brighton. I, I, I've loved the way that it's not come through the striker entirely. It's come through, it starts in midfield, it starts out wide. They've been funneling the ball through every different avenue, and it's been so, the word fluid is really the best yeah. way to say it. It's been uh, lively, and you, it's been so unpredictable. They had United running in circles a few weeks ago. That's I saw all 90 minutes of that game, and I was wildly impressed with Spurs because it just didn't look like Spurs. It looked like a slightly worse version, maybe, of a City or of an Arsenal. Or I'd agree maybe a more polished version in the attack of a Brighton, where they don't maybe do what they do with the ball in their own half or in the middle third, but when they get there, they're more lethal. So I've been very impressed with Spurs. I don't think that they're better than Arsenal. I don't think they're going to be better uh, on the weekend, but I think that game's going to be as close as it gets. I will give Arsenal the 2-1 edge, but I do think that's going to be super, super tight. I think we'll see a red card. I, I, I'm going to put that out there because... It's a bold prediction. I, it is a bold prediction, not only because they're rivals, Ooh. but because the playing styles here aren't that contradictory, and there's going to be a lot of clashes, especially in midfield. I'm looking for Declan Rice mm. to really be a factor in the, in the middle of the park in that match. Harry Kane said Tottenham would win, and he said we. Well, look, he, well, he has to. I know, I know, He's one of their own. It was nice. It was cute. I liked it. Yeah, it was cool. Now, my prediction is going to be... 2-2 two, two draw. 2-2 two, two draw. And since yeah. we're going for bold card predictions, I'm going to say no red, but seven <laughs> yellows. Seven <laughs> yellows? Yeah, very specific. Yeah, there you go. You're wild. All right, well, I mean. I have Tottenham. If, if you, uh, so, there you go. We, oh, wow. So we've got, we've got Arsenal, draw, and Tottenham. So someone's going to be right. I mean, that's how it works. Those, yeah, are, the three, have, those are the three options. Three true outcomes. Those are the Game options. is canceled. No one won. <laughs> right. Well, just to give an update on some Europa League scores right now, Liverpool still down at the half. Leverkusen yeah. up 2-0. Uh, Roma and Sheriff. Roma just, just went up. Just Literally just went up as I clicked on it in the 45th plus four before halftime. That's great. So Roma are up. Happy for you, Jose Mourinho. And now let's talk a little bit more domestically. You are Jose Mourinho. I'm Nick Jose Palmer Mourinho. is Jose Mourinho. I am Jose Mourinho. <laughs> that was really good. That, that was, was really very good. good. I so, love that meme. So good. In the spirit of Jose Mourinho, one one manager in New York was able to get the best of his rivals. Nick Cushing got it right for the first time in what seems like forever. Byron Cushing. Getting a 2-0 win over a team that actually clinched the playoffs last night with the loss, Orlando City. 2-0 mm. Orlando have been one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference after I would put them right in the same category as Columbus and Philly, one rung below Cincinnati for the top echelon of the Eastern Conference. And I have to give New York City credit because it was the first time in a while where the offense looked like it was actually getting stuff done instead of just throwing chances at goal. And Nick, you saw the whole match. Yeah. You were very excited with this result, I imagine. It puts you that much closer to the playoffs, although still on the outside looking in. How much does that three points give you moving forward, and how much does that performance give you? Because oh. you got four games left to get the job done. Right. Four games left, and let, let's let's take a look at the schedule. So City plays Toronto at home. I give them the win there. Yeah. Uh, and then they play Miami. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that'll be ugly. I, I'm not even sure if I plan on watching but we, we have There's a caveat there. Because Leo Messi no and Messi. Jordi Alba no both Jordi. subbed That's out in the first true. half last night. But, I mean, they played Toronto. Toronto are a joke. Toronto are dreadful. Toronto yes. are terrible. They still won 
Ben Hakramowski scored. Leo Campana scored. Leo Campana has been terrific, even in the matches where Messi hasn't played. This Inter-Miami team became so deep in this summer window. They got a little help from MLS, and I think they might have bent some rules here and there, but I digress on that. They did a great job bringing in players. Facundo Farias is terrific. I believe he scored. Robert Taylor. And Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor, ever since the arrival of Messi, but even in the matches Messi's not playing, has looked that much better uh, than the defenders he's been marked up against. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I've loved Robert. T- he's playing such an electric style, too. It's just so free-flowing in the front three for them. And when they welcome Messi and Jordi Alba back, which I expect them to do at a certain point this year, it didn't look all that serious. You hope it's just you know load management and fatigue, nothing more serious than that, uh, especially because he's carrying the torch now for the league, uh, showcasing it to the rest of the world. And for, for my sake, to try to take points off of NYC... Uh, I, you imagine he's going to be back at a certain point, but I think City can can only be happy at the moment for the position they put themselves in coming into that game. Like, was there any hope that they were going to get a result at home against Orlando? I I wasn't confident in it, especially with the way they played against uh, Red Bulls. Uh, I was there at that game. Uh, the Red Bulls one was atrocious to watch. I want a refund. Um, I didn't even pay, and I want a refund. Oh my. Yeah, um, both both offenses were terrible. Um, every time there was a ball in the box, you just sort of knew it was going wide, or they wouldn't even get the shot off. Um, you you know when man of the match was uh, Matt, Matt Freeze, Freeze yeah. with one remarkable save. Really I will save. say, really great save. save. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he didn't do anything. Yeah. And that was the only highlight of that game. Yeah. I, I I rewatched the highlights after going there. That's the only one. I didn't even watch the the highlights. I knew how dreadful no, that we were was going to be. Literally talk about this last night. Yeah. I'm like, if I watch the highlights, is it going to be like seven seconds? <laughs> it's Dude, just like the one much, play. Pretty much. Of. So, um, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, so then they go into this game against Orlando. I have no expectations. Um, and, man, the defense just showed up. Dude, I am – Tavon Gray was one of my least favorite players last year. I mean, he his, his fundamentals were terrible. Um could not connect passes to save his life. But, I mean, even in even in the Red Bulls game, um, he had some remarkable clears to where I'm I like, thought okay. He, I thought defensively he was so sound. He's picking it up. He's he's learning Bronx native, um, so that makes me happy as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the two headers against Orlando. Look, Santi Rodriguez, y- y- you can't miss that head. <laughs> but Munsef Bakrar, I think that's his fourth goal um, as a part of City. Um, it was a lovely header. I mean, he he got in there. He was um, first to the ball, so I guess that's all that counts. And Talis Magno, I've had so many problems with this guy. I mean, he 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 came in young Brazilian striker two years ago. We're thinking he's the future. Has just not showed up. He tries to dribble too much. Um, he tries to outskill people when the skill just isn't there. It's not to the level where he can just dribble around everyone. But you know, he he's big, so. He's big and fast, got into the box at the right time, lovely header. 2-0, well, let's go City. So if you look at that, you mentioned like how bad they were against the Red Bulls, but then you get this good result, like amazing result yeah. against Orlando. And you kind of sense this inconsistency. Like, What do we expect in these last matchups? Because like, they're all kind of make or break, especially DC United Chicago, like the last two ones. Yeah. DC United ninth, Chicago 11th. There's only three points in between those three teams because New York City's right sandwiched between them. And so when you have such an inconsistent like results, like all of those games are really make or break. Like what what are you expecting, Nick? 
dude, I don't know. Cushing economics is the weirdest thing. Like <laughs> I dude, this I'm I'm so in favor of sacking Nick Cushing and I think it's going to happen. Um but I think win against Toronto no problem. I think they'll win the game against Chicago. I think they'll draw United and lose to Miami, which will not put them that in the playoffs. That wouldn't be enough. That uh, wouldn't be enough. That wouldn't be enough. Um, um yeah. yeah. I'll I'll give City credit. They needed a win and they got it against a really tough team and um, albeit at home, that's not an easy result against Orlando who were playing to clinch themselves into the playoffs. It's not like they threw out a roster, they're already in the playoffs. They ended up clinching anyway with the loss because the results went the way that they wanted. But the fact of the matter is City had to get the job done and they did. And I look across the river to New Jersey and there's a team that have had countless opportunities now not only, and I'm not saying that countless opportunities to score in matches, because we know that they've had that. I'm talking about countless opportunities to win matches and move up the table, and they haven't done it, and they've had easy enough games. They played Austin last night at mm-hmm. home. Should be easy. Who, who Austin have not looked like a, a, a confident playoff team all year long, and the Red Bulls at time have. They've looked like a team that, when they sort it out, could be just as good as Atlanta as Nashville, as New England, and be firmly in the playoff position, but they're not because they can't score goals. The match opened up within the first 90 seconds. Elias Manuel was through on goal, and I invite you to watch the shot he, he made. It almost didn't go out for a corner. He was through on goal. And I'm not picking on Elias Manuel because he can't finish. Although yes, he, you are. Although he, <laughs> yes, although, although he can't, it is a bigger issue. The, the Red Bulls played four different strikers last night. Oh, my gosh. Four different ones. Dante Van Zier scored in the seventh minute off of a lovely volley that was deflected in and was counted as an own goal, but the skill to take it out of the air was terrific. Six minutes later, he goes down injured. Th- that's just the Red Bulls' luck this year. Lewis Morgan's been out practically the whole year. He scored 18 goals last year. He was their leading scorer. They don't have him. They bring in this DP striker, a record signing. He's got four goals on the year, uh, only three of which are in MLS. Or it might be five now total competition. I, I could be wrong about that. The point is... The Red Bulls had opportunities to get it done against on Saturday against New York City. The game was there for the taking if they had the chops in front of goal. They have the talent, too. Mm-hmm. Like, John Tolkien is—I I would say he's one of the best players in the MLS. Yeah, he, I, he's, he's so good. He's awesome. Carlos Coronel is a fantastic— Top-ten keeper in the top league. Top-ten keeper, but very clearly. And they've um, had and defensively, and City have looked really strong defensively lately, but the Red Bulls consistently have had a defense that strong the entire year. They've both conceded right. very few goals, but they've also scored so few. Mm-hmm. So I think it's arguably more important for City, not only that they got three points, but that they scored twice. Yes. Because the confidence that that's going to give them going into this weekend, they play Chicago this weekend? Uh, Toronto. Toronto this weekend? Look, that, that should already be a game that they're confident enough to win, but they have a couple of goals midweek in their back pocket. That's going to mean a lot more. And both of the goals were from their two strikers who have been struggling. There you go. Yeah. So, And now the Red, the Red Bulls have to go on the road to Audi Field to p- face their oldest rival, D.C. United, who are holding the final playoff spot. They're five points, off, five points off. They've got one match in hand. It has to be a win. Please. They have to win these matches. They can't afford not to get a si- This is a six-pointer. They, they blew their chance at a six-pointer on Saturday when they probably were the better team in the first half, and if they get a first-half goal, I don't see a way City comes back in the second nope. half. And now you go to D.C., who have the, the X factor in the striker position with Christian Benteke. That's, and that's really all that they, have, that they offer against the Red Bulls because the Red Bulls are going to disrupt them. They're going to make it difficult in midfield. But one chance for Christian Benteke, and that's that. Yeah. And one chance for the Red Bulls, they're not going to score. They need like seven or eight to score. 
because they had that many last night and they only got one. And I, I you know, we, we heard the crowd was actually impressive for City. Yeah. So I have to give City credit. They got behind their team when they've been struggling all year long. They've been playing putrid soccer. Yeah. The Red Bulls have too. There was not a good crowd last night. I think the fans are pretty much accepting the fact that this is the end of the 13-year playoff run for the Red Bulls, which is so disappointing because this year they were supposed to take a step in the opposite direction with the players that they brought in. But injuries, a manager fired. Dante Venzier. And and racism scandals, (laughs) you know. This team has not lived up to expectations, and they've they've fallen well, well short of even the worst-case scenario that would have been acceptable for this year. The manager, Troy Lassane, I, you know, I speak to him after every match. He is such a great guy. I, I, there's no one I'd rather talk to after a game. And I think about if I were a player, who's the type of manager I'd want to play for? It's him. Okay. He's a man manager at its heart. I think tactically there are some shortcomings, hmm. but the the players seem to like him. He's trying to do everything he can. And I look at the roster they have, and it's just the front office issues speak louder than anything else for the Red Bulls. And okay. I think. Missing the playoffs for the first time in 14 years might be enough to start addressing that. They only have two DPs, one of which has been injured pretty much all season long, had a racism scandal, and has only scored five goals all competitions. The other has one goal, one assist throughout the entire year. So they've got to do a lot better at identifying players, integrating them to the system, and maybe take a look at the system. Because the last five years, it's been first-round exits from the playoffs, and maybe we don't even make the playoffs this year. The Red Bull system is starting to fail in MLS. So I think they need to go back to the drawing board just a little bit. In summary, James is in Spain without the S. Yes. Spain without <laughs> the S. And I have been since July, all right? Since 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 the League's Cup started. Epania. Yeah. <laughs> Epania. Oh, that's Epania. it. I like that. That's pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start using that one, people, because the Spain without the S yeah. is like, I, yeah, that's good. All right. I mean, I didn't want to end it on such a sad, <laughs> sad, it. sad, Ending angry. on Epania. I'm crying over here. It's so sad. <sighs> Rooting guys. for you guys against DC, though. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I mean, we'll, it would be a Kick favor for you guys if we got the points. As well. Why do you think he's rooting for you guys? For you, guys? <laughs> you know, you know, and I watch. You know what's you know what's crazy when I watch New York City FC versus DC United. I usually don't watch because I I hate both of those teams. But generally, if I had to pick one, I'd pick NYC too. So like, we'll share that. We'll shake each other's hands. I think that's a good time to wrap things up. Uh, we did get this in done before two p.m. I know you got class at two thirty, Nick. We're gonna get I'd rather be here. Is there is there anything else we need to we need to add before we, before we get going? Or I think we covered everything. I think we got it. Yeah. Guys. So, boys, this has been a great talk. I, I'm glad we we squeezed in Champions League, Premier League, and MLS with just a touch of Liverpool going down at half in the Europa League. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully, New York soccer. We've trashed it now for like two three weeks in a row. Hopefully, they pick it up. And I hope it's on the red side. But you know, if the blue side can do it, the blue side can do it. They've got a stadium waiting in a few years from now. That's a lot of fun. Oh, but you know, it's not a lot of fun watching your team play 1-1 midweek in front of 8,000 people. (laughs) Oh, God. All righty. So for James Burley, Nick Palmer, and Andy Rodriguez, this has been WFUV's best, if not only, soccer podcast. Yes, it has. It's FUVFC. We'll be back next week. We're going to be in studio once again. Thank you guys for joining. FUVFC is a production of WFUV Sports.